And I don't really have a jumping off starting place in this study. We covered so much material last week, and uh, I don't know when I'll stop teaching on this. I'm probably going to teach this for several Sunday nights, um, and it's just that's how the Lord impresses something on my heart, so I try to get some lessons together and work it up, and if God uses it and blesses it, then praise His name for it. Um, and so I don't have an end point for it because there's several things we're going to cover about the spirit world. We're going to talk about, um, uh, about the devil. I'll mention some of that tonight. Uh, we'll talk about demonology. And I don't like to spend a lot of time talking about demons, but people have questions about demons. You need to know what they are, where they're coming from, what they're doing, and they are real. They're absolutely real in the world that we're in. In fact, I believe that the longer we're here on this earth, and the longer the Lord tarries, but the closer we get to His coming, the more the spirit world and the physical world are kind of merging together. And by the time you get to the book of Revelation and the church is raptured out, the spirit world is evident on the physical earth. And, uh, and uh, we, we use that expression not in a vulgar way, but in a biblical way. Literally all hell is going to break loose on this earth during the tribulation. Uh, and so, in fact, when the devil tries to, uh, to, to start a revolt with the angels again in Revelation, the Bible says, Woe be unto the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down unto you. And uh, the devil is going to come down to the earth, and he is going to intensify his attack. He knows his time is short. And so that's why it's good to, to kind of know where we are and what's, uh, what's approaching and where we stand with these things. And so uh, tonight, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we talk more about the spirit world in this study tonight. Father, I thank you for this time that we have to sing songs to your name, and I'm thankful for the amazing grace, Lord, that you bought us, you purchased us with your grace, you pur purchased us with your blood. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you set us free because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we talked about this morning, Lord, I pray that the chains that might be binding anybody tonight, any chains that are in their life, whatever they are, may they fall off. May you give us liberty. May you give us freedom. May you give us victory in our walk with you through the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I believe your word. I believe every word of God is true. And I believe every single story, every account, every miracle, things that you talk about in the past, things that are going on in our present world, and things that will come hereafter, Lord, I believe tonight. And Lord, I believe that the spirit world is real. And there's good things about it. And I, there's also bad things. And I pray, Father, that we'd be aware that we are living in not just a physical world, but we're also in a spiritual one. May we see the decisions that are around us and actions. And Lord, many things, almost everything about us is a spiritual thing. And I pray that you'd open our eyes to the truth of your word. May you teach us tonight what you'd have us to understand and have us to learn as we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Hebrews chapter number 11, in verse number 1, in this great chapter of faith, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So that means we've got to, by faith, understand that the world's plural, and he's not just talking about the earth, he's talking about the physical world, the spiritual world, things that are in heaven, things that are in earth, things that are beneath the earth, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And he talks about those things as being invisible. The, in fact, later the Bible says the invisible things will be clearly seen. 
And so we walk by faith tonight believing that we are in a physical world, but it's also made up of a spiritual world as well. In our study last week, we talked about the spirit world and kind of an introduction to the spirit world, the things that are in the spirit world, and there, there are numerous things that are there. We talked about how the Bible mentions seraphim and cherubim. Uh, the Bible mentions angels, good and bad angels, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. Ephesians 6, verse 12, Colossians 1, 16 speaks of thrones and dominions. Uh, the Bible speaks of fallen angels in several different places in the Word of God. Spirits that are now in prison because of their fall, having left their first estate. Demons uh, seducing spirits in 1 Timothy 4, 1. Uh, all those things are out there, and the Bible makes us aware of it. But as Christians, we often kind of put blinders on. And we don't want to acknowledge that there is more to this world than just the things that we can sense with our sensations, our five senses, and the things that we can hear and see and taste and smell and, and touch and all of those things. And yet the spirit world is more real than the physical world. The spirit world is more real. Uh, we're now blinded to the spirit world because God designed us that way. I think if we could see what's really going on around us, as we said last week, we'd be scared to death. If you could see what's in this room right now, it would scare you to death. I mean, and it shouldn't scare us if we're saved, but the Bible says even the angels of the Lord, when they would appear to someone, what's the first thing they'd have to say? Fear not. Because it was a fearful thing. I mean, you're, you're a, a human being, a mortal being, seeing a supernatural being stand in front of you. The Bible says angels excel in strength. We're made lower than the angels, Psalms chapter number 8. So angels excel in stature. They excel in strength. I mean, all these things, wisdom, ability, and might, and all those things that are there, they're standing before you, and I don't think that it's going to just make you feel all warm and fuzzy. it scare you to death. And it took the angel to say, fear not, calm down. I, I, I'm of the Lord, and the Bible tells us we can try the spirits, whether they're of God or not. Uh, and the Bible says if we see a spirit, if you saw one come in your room tonight, and uh, that, that angel looked beautiful, and it looked like the paintings and the pictures and everything you see that Hollywood paints of angels. They've got long wings like a stork. And, I mean, he's got long blonde hair and baby blue eyes. It looks like Fabio or something like that standing in your room and says, uh, I'm an angel of God sent to tell you something. You better ask it a couple questions. The Bible says try the spirit whether of God or not. You better ask it if they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and come in the flesh. And if they say yes, you know it's an angel of God. And if they say no, you know it's demonic. So don't believe every spirit. The Bible says we're to try the spirit. Everything we see is not of God. Every miracle or what resembles a miracle is not of God. The Bible tells us of the Antichrist, that he is a deceiver. He's going to deceive the world. In Matthew 24, it says, Jesus says it'll be possible he'll deceive the very elect. We're talking about people you can't normally confuse or deceive or trick scientists, doctors, lawyers, uh, theologians, scholars, you name it, politicians are going to fall for his signs and lying wonders. Lying wonders, false miracles, false things that are not of God. Remember back in the story of Moses when he's standing there before Pharaoh and he's got the rod of God in his hand and God told him to cast down the rod and he's doing all these different miracles and the Bible talks about two men that were magicians. Now, we're not talking about David Copperfield or somebody like that. Uh, we're not talking about a David Blaine type of street magician. We're talking about these guys were demonic. 
These guys were full of the devil. They, these guys were worshiping false gods. And the Bible tells us their names, Janus and Jambres. And Janus and Jambres in the New Testament tells us their name. They, they were able to, to, to completely counterfeit every miracle that Moses was doing. He throws down his staff and uh, it becomes a serpent. They throw down theirs and theirs become a serpent. Now that really happened. That's not just a story. That's not an allegory. That literally happened. That's the work of the devil. But uh, the, the, the rod of God swallowed up the serpents, the staffs, the rods of those magicians. They could turn the water to blood. They could do all these different things. But when it came to an actual creative act, when the dust, the Bible says that it was with the finger of God, the dust of the ground became lice. Dust, just like we're made from dust, dust became a living thing. The Bible says that the magicians of Pharaoh could not do so with their enchantments. This was a creative act. And you know what the devil's been trying to do all these years? He's trying to copy God. He's trying to counterfeit God. He's got to counterfeit everything. He's got to counterfeit religion. He's got to counterfeit church. He's got to counterfeit Messiah. He's got to counterfeit Christ. He's the Antichrist. He's got to counterfeit seed. He's got counterfeit Bibles. He's got counterfeit all kinds of things. He's a counterfeiter. And they said they couldn't do that, though, because that was an act. They said, this is the finger of God. And so the spirit world and the physical world were coming together in those plagues, and God was drawing the dividing line between his people and the Egyptians, those that were of God, those that were satanic and of the world. And so that stuff is real. It's real. And we need to understand that tonight. The Bibles we talked about with angels, they're innumerable. They're mighty in power, but they're not almighty. Uh, they excel in strength. We talked about how that one angel defeated over 185,000 of the Assyrian army. One angel will bind Satan and cast him in the bottomless pit. This is a real world. This is a spirit world that we can't see, but it's real. The Bible tells us that they're glorious beings. They're glorious beings. Uh, the Bible tells us a lot about these angels that are, that are glorious beings and that they have great knowledge, uh, that they're ministering spirits. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13, But which of the angels said he at any time, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? So part of the work of the angels is to minister. They're ministering spirits. So they're not just an appearance. They're not just a messenger. They're also ministering spirits they're also executioner executioner of God's wrath on the wicked 2nd Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7 says unto you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels taking uh, inflaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ angels are going to be connected with the return of Jesus Christ Angels are coming. They're mighty angels, the Bible says, that are coming with him. And when he comes back in flaming fire at that moment, he's going to take vengeance on those that have rejected Jesus Christ. Folks, there's no alternative in eternity. You make the decision for salvation and your eternal soul in this life, not in the one to come. There's no bargaining at the pearly gates. There's no working it out with, with Peter there. There's no your good deeds being weighed against your bad deeds. Here's how you get in. The password is Jesus Christ. That's how we get in, and you do it now. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord one day, but then it's too late. They'll still do it, but when we confess it in this life, it saves us. 
So they're going to gather the elect of Israel from the four corners of the earth in Matthew 24, 31. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. The angels are coming back with Jesus Christ. They're in that spiritual realm, that spirit world. But at that moment, they're going to help bring us to Jesus at the rapture. Angels are commissioned to supply the physical needs of God's people. Jesus is the Son of God, but notice after his temptation in Matthew 4.11, the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. If Jesus needed angelic ministering spirits to come encourage him, we need that as well. And I pray every day, God, put your angels around me. They're unseen. We have to trust it by faith that it's real. But I want his angels around my kids when they're playing in the backyard. I want my, uh, his angels around us at the house. I want his angels encamped about us when we sleep at night. The Bible says the angel of the Lord campeth round about them that feareth him and he delivereth them. Because you don't know, but if you could see the devil and his demons are trying to get to you and get in your home and get in your life and get in your relationship and mess up your children and mess up your business and anything they could do, we see that over and over again, but Job is a great example of that. I'll save that for a later lesson, but Job is just minding his business, going about his life, worshiping God. And the Bible says that Satan appears before God Job chapter 1, Job chapter 2, there was a day when the sons of God, those are angels, came to present themselves before the Lord, and the devil came also amongst them. And God says unto Satan, he says, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? He's up there, no wonder Revelation says he's the accuser of the brethren. He's accusing Job, and, uh, and God said he, he knew that, that Satan was bringing Job up anyway. That's the foreknowledge of God. He said, "It's now consider my servant Job. Satan says, yeah, but it's because you're good to him. You blessed his kids. You blessed his, his livestock. You blessed his income. You, he said, touch all that he has. He'll curse you to your face. God said, all right. He says, you can touch everything he's got, but don't, kill his, don't take his life. And the whole story of Job is Job is one persecuted. He's a picture, of, as we talked about on Wednesday night, the Jews going through the tribulation, 42 chapters of Job, 42 months in the great tribulation. He's one persecuted. That's what his name means. And, and Satan's the one persecuting him. He's in the land of Uz, uh, not the land of Oz, like Wizard of Oz, but the land of Uz. He's out there in the same place around Petra where Israel's going to flee to the wilderness during the tribulation to be supernaturally protected by God and at the end there's a great resurrection and a great deliverance that comes to Job when God uh, touches Job and gives him back his health and gives him twice as many camels and, and donkeys and sheep and all that and he gets 10 kids over again. I mean, it, he's just blessed. It's a great resurrection. The same thing's gonna happen to Israel. But the point of all of that is Satan is looking to see who he can devour. Satan walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so we need to be aware that there's angels there and, and angels minister unto us. In 1 Kings chapter uh, number 19 in verse number 4 through 8, we see uh, the story here of the man of God. It says, But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he quested for himself that he might die. I mean, here's the prophet of God, Elijah. I mean, here's the guy that can call down fire from heaven and defeat his enemies and, and, and let God be God. And all of a sudden, God just reveals himself in a mighty way. Now he says, I'd rather die. He's running from a woman. He's running from Jezebel. Can you imagine that? Nothing's changed in thousands of years. 
He said, it'd be better if you took my life. He said, I'm no better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of the meat 40 days and 40 nights. I don't know what that angel cooked, but it had to have been pretty good. For him to make it 40 days on it. But the angel said, get up. Stop whining. Stop running around in self-pity. He says, you're a man of God. Sit up and eat. And he looks and there's the water and there's the food cooking and all that. Angels ministered to him and got him back on his feet as God used him in a great way. Why, if he'd have got his wish and died, we'd never heard of the rapture of Elijah. The Bible speaks about these angels that are there and I want to briefly tonight see how far I can get into this but there's three that are named and the first one not in any particular order is Michael Michael is one of the angels that are named in scripture now we've got to always sever tradition from scripture because there's a lot of tradition that tries to name a lot of angels but there's no scripture I'm talking about Genesis to Revelation that mentions any other angels by name except these three that I'm going to give you tonight and so when you read a post or somebody's got a book written about and they've got all these names for angels, they're getting that from non-biblical sources. And if we're going to get things from non-biblical sources, we might as well get it from the funny papers and the comic books and get it from all, anything and everything. I mean, we might as well get our theology from the back of the label of a can of Campbell's soup if we're going to do that. But I want what I believe to be based on the Word of God. And so if we go to God's word, the angels have names. The Bible says he called them all uh, by name. He, they've all got names. But the names that are mentioned, the first one I want to show you tonight is Michael. Michael's an important angel in the spirit world. He's mentioned three times in the Bible. He's mentioned three times by name, and they all are there in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. But the prince of the thy, of thy kingdom of Persia withstood me, one in 21 days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And here, God's comparing Michael as a prince. He's an archangel. He's over the angelic host. He's a five-star general of the angels that are there. And in the story of Daniel, here again, we're now entering into a phase of the spirit world, a part of the spirit world that we forget exists. But when we pray, the spirit world hears it. And I don't fully understand it. That's Hebrews 11. I have to accept it by faith. But our prayers are trying to get to God. God hears all of our prayers, but the devil doesn't want your prayers to be answered. And so for 21 days, Daniel's praying, trying to get the prayer answered. And all that time, there is an angelic spiritual battle that is waging uh, unseen to Daniel, unseen to the world. And yet it's going on, a fight. You talk about a royal rumble. I mean, it's better than any WWF or WWE you've ever seen in your life. Better than any type of, uh, I mean, hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat or karate or anything else going on or mixed martial arts or any of that stuff. I mean, they're up there tumbling and fighting and there is a spiritual battle all because of one man's prayers. We take it for granted. As I preached this morning, we ought to pray and don't quit. That's the point of the whole story there. Don't quit, but keep on praying. I mean, it might take more than 21 days, but don't think for a moment that the devil doesn't fear a Christian that prays. He's going to do everything he can to keep your prayers from being answered. 
And the easy solution is just to get you to where you're so busy you don't even pray to begin with. But I'll tell you what he fears. He's not afraid of governments. He's not afraid of politicians. The devil's not afraid of tanks and bombs and machine guns and planes and all of that. He's afraid of a Christian on their knees. That's what makes the demons and devils of hell tremble. That's what makes the foundation shake is when a Christian is praying and talking to their father and crying out, Abba, Father, that's what he can't stand. That's what he hates, and he's going to fight you with all of his might. He's called a prince who stands for the Jews. If you look at the other passages there, but I'll show you he that which is not in the scripture of truth, but there is none that withholdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince, chapter 12, verse 1, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even that same time, and that time the people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. He's talking about the end times. He's talking about the tribulation. He's talking about the nation of Israel. This is Michael mentioned three times in the book of Daniel but he's not just mentioned there in Daniel those three times in Jude chapter there's only one chapter in Jude but in Jude chapter 1 verse number 9 yet Michael the archangel the same one from Daniel when contending with the devil he disputed about the body of Moses does not bring a railing accusation against him but said the Lord rebuke thee here again another great battle and this battle is all the way back there in Deuteronomy where Moses is dying. Moses, he's died and he wasn't allowed to go and see the promised land. He sinned against God because he got angry and because the people chode with him. And so he smites the rock and all that happens there. And so God says, I'm not going to let you see the promised land. He said, but you can go up on a mountain. You can see it from a distance, but you can't step foot in it. He said, but I'm going to gather you to your people. And he dies there. And something happened. God says that he buried the body of Moses so that nobody could find it. An angel went and hid the body of Moses. It wasn't a typical burial. It wasn't just like when Aaron died. It wasn't just like when the other thousands have died uh, in the wilderness. This, this death, this burial had to be secret. There was a great purpose. And I believe there's a prophetic purpose in the tribulation for all of that. But here's the fight. The fight is Michael versus the devil over the body of Moses. The devil wanted it. I ain't got time to get in all that tonight, but you've got to ask yourself a question. What did the devil want the body of Moses for? He don't care about our body when we die. We're just out there. He ain't fighting to get ours. But he didn't want, but he wanted the body of Moses. Somebody said, well, it's because people would have worshipped his body. Well, they might have. But I think there's a whole lot more to it. Because now you're in the spirit realm. And it took Michael fighting with the devil. And there's something we can take away from this, by the way. Although we're not talking yet about the devil. The devil is so powerful. Michael's so powerful that Michael would not even try to rebuke the devil in his own strength and power. He said, the Lord rebuke thee. I watch clips and videos and stuff all the time. Preachers stand up there and said, the devil can't do this to me and the devil can't do that to me. And I'll spit in the devil's eye when I get down there and I'll just do this and do all of that. I'm thinking, you, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't live in fear of the devil because I've got the Lord on my side and he's my protector. But if Michael wouldn't even bring a railing accusation against the devil and said, the Lord rebuke thee, who do you think we are? I mean, I'll be here all night if I stay on that. I've got to get back to this. Michael, he's fighting there. 
In Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought his angels. This is, a, a, again, a, another future battle. Some have tried to take this and put it back in the past. I believe it happened in the past. But history repeats itself. This isn't something John's seeing in the past. He's seeing something ahead out there in the future during the tribulation with the dragon, which is Satan. And Satan, he's not referred to in the Bible as being just a cute little half goat, half man, and he's, he's you know, kind of pinkish red and got a little goatee, and he's got two little horns, and he's got a little tail that comes up to a point, and he's got a pitchfork in his hand, and he's just sitting on your shoulder and telling you to do bad things. The Bible says he is a serpent. The Bible says he is a dragon. And if you were to see him tonight, he is a seven-headed dragon, according to the Bible. He is Leviathan. And he's going to try to persuade angels to turn against God again, something that I can't fathom. People say, how in the world could Israel... I've been going through uh, the Old Testament again, and I always think the same thing. How in the world could Israel see the hand of God like they saw it and, and deny God? How could you wake up one morning and see a pillar of cloud up there over the, the, the tabernacle? How could you get up and see that pillar of fire by night and see the mountain quaking and trembling and the voice of God in the midst of the fire? I mean, you hear the sound of the trumpets and all of that. You see Moses with the glory of God on him. You've seen the, the Red Sea part. You've seen the manna come down. You've seen the quail come and feed the people. You've seen all these things and say, well, I, I believe these other gods did all of that. But how in the world could the angels be around the throne of God and they're in heaven and they see it all and yet Lucifer persuaded them to turn against God? I don't understand all of that, folks. But if the Bible says it, I've got to believe it. He is seen here as the commander of the angelic army of heaven. His work seems to be to deliver God's people from the power of Satan and to finally cast out Satan and his angels from the heavenlies. He's going to be a part of that. Uh, he's going to cast out the devil. He also has something to do with the resurrection of the dead. He's associated with the resurrection. We see in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a great time of trouble. And if you read all of this, it speaks about the resurrection of, of the nation of Israel and the resurrection of the dead. As we said, he contended with the devil about the body of Moses in Jude, verse 9. His voice is also going to be heard at the rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The archangel, Michael, it, his voice is also going to be heard. Could it be that the devil is going to try to prevent the rapture? And as we're traveling up through space to get to the throne of God, that the devil and all of his demonic forces are going to be trying to keep it from happening, and Michael's going to, and the good angels of God, the holy angels of God, are going to be keeping back those demonic forces so that we can make it? I ain't got to worry about making it. We're going to make it. But the devil's going to do everything he can to try to prevent it. But we're going to hear the voice of Michael. Michael is in Daniel. Michael is in Jude. Michael is in Revelation. Michael is in 1 Thessalonians. Over and over again, we read about this great angel in the spirit world called Michael. And then, of course, you probably know this one, Gabriel. Gabriel's another angelic being that's got a name. See, these aren't just robots. These aren't just blobs of light floating away that just whatever God says, they're little robots and do what God tells them. They've got a free will. They've got personalities. They've got characteristics. 
They've got names. They've got identities. We see it in Michael and his job and position. We see it in Gabriel. Gabriel's mentioned by name four times in the Bible. His name is mentioned twice in Daniel and twice in Luke chapter 2. He seems to be associated with the redemptive work of God. He appeared to Daniel in Daniel chapter 8 in verse number 6. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So here again, Daniel, he's trying to understand the revelation God's given to him. And it took Gabriel to come and explain these things to him. We see again in Daniel chapter 9 in verse 21 through verse 27. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding at the beginning of thy supplication. The commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. He goes into 70 weeks. He goes into prophecy. For whatever reason, instead of God just directly revealing this to Daniel, God used Gabriel to reveal this to Daniel. Gabriel says, You're a man greatly beloved. You know, that hit me when I was studying that. To think that our name might be talked about in heaven, in the spirit world. I wonder if our name ever comes up. You know, I think most Christians, I'm not trying to be rude, but being honest, their name probably never even makes anybody's conversation. But I think if you're serving God and being faithful to God and trying to do right, I bet your name comes up. Don't you remember the story in the New Testament? When well, that man was trying to buy the Holy Spirit, trying to have the power to cast out demons, and that demon spoke and said, Peter, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Who are you? But they knew who Paul was. They knew who the apostles were. And Daniel, he said, you're a man greatly beloved. God has a special love for you, Daniel. I sure wish God had a special love for me and you. You say, how do we have that? By walking with Him, by talking to Him, by praying, by worshiping Him, by spending time with Him. You see, as we've talked about often, when, we don't, when we're no threat to the devil, he could care less. But once you start opposing him or exposing him, now you're on his turf. You stay neutral, he'll leave you alone. But you oppose him or expose him, you'll find out if he's real. He appears there uh, and, uh, and, and that great chapter, Daniel chapter 9, one of the great chapters of Daniel to inform him about, uh, about the coming of the Messiah and the time of Christ's first coming. And so this was no secret. This was something that was foretold that Messiah would come at the set time, at the number of weeks in prophecy, and it happened just like the Bible says it would happen. We move forward in the story uh, of the birth of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 1, verse 19, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee glad tidings. And verse 26, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man who was named Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he's involved in the birth of John the Baptist he's involved in the birth of Jesus Christ he's there to proclaim hey this is of God I mean to understand the, the, the significance of this 
is you've got a woman pregnant out of wedlock in a time where it wasn't glamorized and popularized like in America, in a time where it was a death sentence. You know what they did biblically? They took her outside the city and they'd stone her. This is serious business. She's espoused to a man named Joseph. But the Bible uses polite and, and, and terminology that's easy for us to understand. But he said they had not come together. She had not known a man. She wasn't just a young maiden or young lady like some people assume. She was a virgin. And he said, hey, wait a second, Joseph. Don't put her away. This is of God. Mary... What's getting ready to happen in, in your life, you are a chosen vessel. You are highly favored. The Lord is going to bless you and use you in that way. Gabriel is connected with the birth of Jesus Christ. And he is connected also with the time uh, of the birth of John the Baptist as he announced to Zacharias the birth of Christ's forerunner, John the Baptist, and again to Mary about the birth of Jesus. His position in heaven must be high, for he said to Zacharias, he said, I'm Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. All the angels are around the presence of God. They're all there in heaven. But yet he's singling out his position and saying, I'm in the presence of God. It's kind of like when you get to the seraphim and the cherubim. You know, you've, got, you've got around the throne of God, you've got four creatures, four living creatures that are around the throne of God. Those cherubims that are there, that, 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 that you don't see that anywhere else in heaven. They're closer to the throne. They're around the throne that are there. And he said, I'm Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. By the way, this isn't just a fairy tale and a cute little story I'm telling you. This is history. This is fact. And one day, I'm going to get to see Michael. You're going to get to see him. Won't that be cool? Can you imagine? Michael. Man. We'll probably be doing like this. Michael, man. <laughs> what was with that thing and you and the devil about the body of Moses? Tell me about that. Gabriel, what was that like? You were talking to Mary and Joseph. I mean, tell me, explain all of that. See, somehow the Bible's got to come alive to us. And we've got to see it as th this is our past, our present, and our future. And we're, we're going to see these people. We're going to see John. We're going to see John the Baptist. We're going to see Peter and Paul and James. And we're going we're gonna to walk down the streets of gold. And we're going to see Jesus face to face. I'm going to get to see those cherubim and seraphim. I mean, those things look like something out of a science fiction novel or something or a movie. And I'm going to get to see them. And when I see them, I'm not going to die. Because I'll be in a glorified state. They're in the presence of the Lord. We won't have to worry about physical uh, uh, restrictions and, and all of that. We'll be able to see all of this with our own eyes. What a moment that'll be. And then there's a third one by name, and his name is Lucifer. I don't want to spend much time. I don't have much time left anyway on this guy. But Lucifer is named in the Bible. Now, I'll go ahead and give you kind of a, uh, a, a little prelude to all of this. Lucifer is angelic, but he's not an angel. Everybody makes this mistake, and I know that not everybody does it intentionally, but everybody says that the devil was an angel. The Bible never once says the devil is an angel. The Bible, as we'll see in a moment, he can transform himself into an angel of light, but he's not an angel. He never was an angel. He was a cherub. 
and cherub are angelic, but they're not angels. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like saying that, uh, you know, cats and dogs are both animals, yes, but they're not the same animal. Angels are angels. Seraphim are seraphim. Cherubim are cherubim. They don't look the same. They have similarities, but they have differences. Some have wings. Some don't have wings. Some have multiple wings. Some have eyes in their wings. I mean, there's, they're different. They're not the same. And when you come to Lucifer, Lucifer is named, but he is a cherub. In many ways, he's not the least of these that are named, but he's greatest, not in the sense of power and authority, but in the sense of his position in the spirit world. And as already been compared and talked about last week, there is a battle between good and evil. There's a battle between holiness and unholiness and righteousness and unrighteousness. And you've got the most unrighteous, unholy, wicked creature who's leading the whole thing. He's the source of all anarchy. He's the source of all sin. He's the source of all rebellion in the universe. He's the source. The Bible gives him many names. And other than God, God has many names. Jesus has many names. He's the bread of life. He's the light of life. He's the water of life. He's the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the bright and the morning star, the first, the last, that which is and was and is to come. Uh, uh, he's, he's he that liveth and was dead, behold, is alive forevermore, the Alpha, the Omega. I mean, it just goes on and on, the names of Jesus Christ. But outside of Jesus, anybody that has this many names is a criminal. Criminals have aliases. You ever notice that? They're all, you know, also known as, they go by. Here's the aliases of Lucifer. He's called Satan. He's called devil. He's called adversary. He's called Belial. He's called Beelzebub, the dragon, the serpent, Leviathan, the accuser. And over 174 names in the Bible is attributed to this creature. 174 names. He's the most mentioned character outside of the Trinity. Outside of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, no one is mentioned more times in the Bible than this character, Satan. He's from Genesis to Revelation. His story is almost on every page in every book of the Bible. We see something in connection with his moving and working. There is a trail of the serpent that started long before Genesis 1, but there in Genesis 3, and it starts from Genesis 3, and it's still going today, and it's still going to keep going until finally, in Revelation, the accuser of the brethren, which accused him before our God, is cast down. He's going to be defeated finally forever, once and for all. Ephesians 2, verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now work in the children of disobedience. That's this character, Lucifer. As Satan, he is the prince of the power of the air. He's a prince. He has power, and his dominion is in the air. Boy, there's a whole lot to that tonight. Wish I had more time. But you know how Wi-Fi gets through everything? It, goes, it travels through the air. You know how radio gets from one place to the next? It, it's through the air. Television signals, it's through the air. I mean, there's something about that air, something about that atmosphere. The devil is not bound presently in hell in chains. He is freely moving about. 
He's the prince of the power of the air, but look in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world is not only the prince of the power of the air, but he's the God of this world. But I, I'm thankful for that little G. Anytime somebody says God, they're talking about God, our God, God the Father, always capitalize it. That's deity. That's one of my little pet peeves. You ever have little pet peeves that bother you? And I see even in Christian posts, and I know sometimes spell check and things like that, people don't mean to do it, but if you're going to talk about God, use a big G. Because God makes a distinction between the God and all the rest. But he is the God of this world. That means tonight that our God is not the God of this world. No wonder the world is at enmity with us. No wonder we're not to love the world or the things that are in the world. No wonder we can't serve God and mammon. The world loves its God, and its God is not our God. Its God is Lucifer, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil is the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air, and he wants to blind people. And folks, he's got people so blind tonight. They're blind as a bat backing in backwards. That's blind. And they think they can see, and they can't see anything. They're spiritually blind. This character is mentioned in Ephesians 6, verse 2, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the realm we're in tonight. We're in a spirit realm where there's creatures with names that are acting, and we don't see it. I can't see it tonight, but it's not just things they did thousands of years ago. It's things that's going on right now. There's still a battle for souls. There's still a battle against the church. No wonder the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That tells us that the gates of hell is trying to prevail against the church. They're not going to be successful, but they're going to fight. They're going to try. That's going on presently. Jesus looks at John, at Peter, and says, Peter, uh, the, uh, the devil desires to sift you as wheat. He's wanting to sift you. He's wanting to attack you. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He hasn't stopped this. He's still doing it tonight. And we're in a battle. And we're in a fight. That's why we wrestle not against flesh and blood. My battle is not to go out there and try to fight Hulk Hogan. The older he gets, the more I think I could take him. <laughs> if you look at him now, I, don't, I got a pretty good shot. Now, back in the 80s, they're in, no, you know. Mr. T, my grandpa, my mom's dad ran into Mr. T one time flying. And, you know, if you ever watch the A-Team, anybody here, let, let, let's just forget, let's put our halos down for a minute. How many's watched the A-Team before? It's okay, you can see, there we go, all right. Remember how he's always afraid to fly? That wasn't an act. He literally was afraid to fly. And when my grandpa ran into him on the plane, they were trying to hold him down and trying to give him something to sedate him and all that because he didn't want to get on the plane. That stuff was real. Big old man, I mean, tough, all these gold chains and everything, and he didn't want to fly. He had to be put down to fly. But our battle tonight is a spiritual battle in a spiritual realm that this earth and what we see is just a fraction 
of what's really there and what's really going on. And in fact, in Job chapter 15, verse 15, behold, he put his no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. That means, and, and NASA's up there polluting it more than anybody else right now. But even the heavens are not pure. They're not clean. Why? Because they're populated with these beings and with these creatures that are constantly coming and going and working and fighting and trying to disrupt your life and trying to, to disrupt ministries and trying to hinder Christians and trying to keep prayers from getting answered. There is, the heavens are unclean. Don't you remember Jacob as he puts his head on a pillar of stone? And as he slept that night, he said, I saw heaven opened and behold a ladder. And on that ladder, the angels of God ascending and descending. There's a great message, a great lesson in that story, but I believe that's all real. I believe if we could see, you'd see, I don't know if it's elevators, ladders, or whatever, but your, your angels are coming and going, coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. Because this is the world that the Bible warns us about. You say, Brother Ben, why are you spending so much time on this stuff? Because the New Testament spends so much time on it. Why most of the writers couldn't go very far, John, uh, Paul couldn't go very far without warning us, there's a spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, principalities, powers. We read over in Ephesians about the whole armor of God. What do you think all that's for? Why in the world do we need to know that we need a helmet of salvation and a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the breastplate of righteousness and our loins girt about with the truth and the shield of faith and uh, all those things? What do we need any of that stuff for? He's saying you're in a battle. We ought to pray every day, God, put that stuff on me. Because you're, you're, you think everything's physical. You think it's just a person at work that's just bothering you. You, you think it's just a, a, you know, political differences out there in the world. Or it's just people's uh, uh, ideas that have changed and ideologies and philosophies and all. You've got to understand tonight that the devil is behind all of this movement against truth and against righteousness and holiness. And, and he's for sin and for wickedness. And the Bible says he is a liar and the father of it. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He, he was a murderer from the beginning, the Bible tells us. Now, real quickly, and I'll be through with this part of the story of Lucifer. His origin is that he was originally not Satan, not the God of this world, not the prince of the power of the air, none of these things we've talked about. Originally, he was a completely different creature. Originally, the Bible tells us about him in Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 says, How art thou fallen from Lucifer, O son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will send into heaven. Notice there's five I wills here. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'll, and the stars of God are a reference to angelic beings, I believe, there. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation, the size of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I, 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 I. Watch out for people that are always I, I, I. They can never talk to you. It's always I, 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 I. Me, me, my. Well, the way I see it, I, me, my, 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 my. Self, 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 self. Selfie, self, self, self. Selfie. Lucifer. Lucifer, that's the only reference in our Bible to Lucifer. You ask anybody on the street, who's Lucifer? They'll say, that's the devil. Lost people know it. You ask the Satanists, 
the cultists, you ask them, who's Lucifer? They'll say, oh, that's, that's our, they think he's wonderful. That's, that's the devil. But do you know that all new modern Bible translations outside the King James got rid of Lucifer from Isaiah 14? Now, if you don't think the devil's behind what's going on in this world, if I was the devil, and I hate to even think that way, but I would try to omit any connection to me in history. I wouldn't want anybody to be able to track down my origin track down where I'm from, track down what I'm trying to do, track down my future. And do you know they take out Lucifer, number one. Then the Bible says, son of the morning. And they'll put a reference there, O morning star. And I'll give you a cross reference over to Revelation where Jesus is the morning star. So let's get this straight. So we've omitted Lucifer from the text of all the new Bibles. You can't find Lucifer in it no more. He's gone from the Bible. And then, son of the morning, Lucifer's gone. Now he's the morning star. I know a lady wrote a great book about the, the Bible translation issues. She was teaching at Cornell University. She was, uh, had written many different textbooks, uh, was a born-again Christian at that point as well. But uh, uh, she was in Who's Who magazine, top teachers under uh, President Reagan, uh, uh, had all kinds of awards. And one of her Christian students came in the class, and she said, I know you're a Christian to her professor and she said uh, uh, I know you're a Christian she said I've got a question about the Bible can you help me answer this she said sure she said is, is the reference in Isaiah 14 about Jesus she said about Jesus and she opened up her Bible and in her Bible Isaiah 14 had removed Lucifer and replaced it with a reference to Jesus Christ guess what the Antichrist Christ is going to be he's going to his whole platform is I'm Christ and they're going to believe him. Well, he's already got rid of his origin. You can't track him down. And now the, other, the book that's attacked more than any other book in the Bible, but you can't guess what it is, Revelation. If the scholars had their way, they have meetings all the time wanting to rewrite it, and they want to take the book of Revelation out and replace it with some other apocryphal book that the church abandoned and didn't believe as scriptures hundreds and thousands of years ago. They want to replace that book, put one of those books in there, and they want to get the book of Revelation out. Well, guess what book tells us about Satan's end? His revelation. So they removed his origin. They're trying to remove his future. But it gets a little bit more detailed when he comes to the parallel passage, parallel companion passage, Isaiah 14, is Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28 tells us more about him, and I know we're, we're past time, but, uh, but here, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. God often used uh, a, a, a fictitious name or a fictitious title to teach a truth, just like when Jesus would teach parables. Uh, same idea and saying to him thus saith the Lord thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty so this is uh, uh, Lucifer here he was full of wisdom perfect in beauty thou has been in Eden the garden of God you know anybody else other than Adam and Eve that showed up in the garden of God every precious stone was thy covering the sardis topaz the diamond the barrel the onyx the jasper sapphire the emerald the carbuncle and gold that's how he looked outwardly why, he was a shining, no wonder, Lucifer means light bearer, it means light giver. He was, or the shining one. He's, he's reflecting, he's got diamonds on him, he's got gold on him. I mean, he is perfect in beauty. 
uh, the workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. That's uh, kind of archaic talk for, uh, for vocal cords. His pipes, just like an old pipe organ. That's his vocal. His, he has music ability. Music is either godly or it isn't. There's nothing in between. And guess who's behind music that's not godly? No wonder all the rock stars, they don't make any... I mean, a premise about it. They'll tell you they worship the devil. They'll put images and icons. I mean, they put, uh, they put pentagrams on their, their, their album covers. They put 666 on it. I mean, they don't care. Thou art, verse 14, the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain. Well, he said in Isaiah 14, he wants to get back there. Thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. That's Job chapter 1 and 2. From whence comest thou walking to and forth the earth and up and down in it? Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. We're not necessarily created. We are born. We're made in the image of God, but we're, we're born. But this is a special creation. He was created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, thou filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned, therefore I'll cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. He's there in God's mount, that's in uh, 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 heaven. And he said, I'm going to cast you down. I will destroy thee, O covering chair, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by wisdom of thy brightness, Lucifer. I will cast thee to the ground. Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore, I'll bring thee a fire from the midst of thee and shall devour thee. That's going to happen in Revelation. I'll bring thee to ashes upon the earth and sight of them that behold thee. All that know thee among the people shall be astonished of thee that uh, shalt be a terror and never shalt thou be anymore. In fact, the Bible says that at that day we're going to narrowly look upon him and say, is this the man that made the nations tremble? Is this it? Right now, he's pretty scary. But we're in our glorified state before the Lord. We're going to look at the devil and go, are you kidding me? That's what caused all this problem. And he's going to be defeated like that. But he was beautiful. He was perfect in wisdom and beauty. He was musical. He had all wisdom. But that's what led to his pride. And I believe, like I said earlier, I believe that angels and even cherubim, and he's a cherub, and we'll, we'll talk about cherubs later, but cherubim, there's four. He was the fifth. You have four, north, south, east, and west, and those four corners, but he's the one that was over the throne. He's above it, like the rainbow. He's up there. And then he falls because of his pride, and his pride is what led to his downfall. Uh, and pride from that point forward, pride was the original sin in the universe people say well was it Adam and Eve no it was the original sin was the rebellion of Lucifer when Lucifer went against God and in his pride he said I want to be like God I want to be worshipped as God and you know nothing changed when he shows up there in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is being tempted you know one of the three temptations is he says worship me worship me he still wants worship He's a religious being. He's behind all the religions of the world that aren't true religion, true Christianity. He's behind it all. And uh, 
He still wants worship. He still demands worship. The Bible says in Revelation, there's the synagogue of Satan. That's a church. That's a religious seat. I saw in the news, I'll close with this, but I saw in the news this week that there has been um, a, a group of religious leaders that have got together, and you've probably seen this, but they're building a one-world religion facility. You've all seen this before? Th this is real stuff. This isn't preachers up here making stuff up to for scare tactics. This, this is real stuff. And they, they're building this multi-million dollar complex that's going to unite all the religions of the world. It's happening now. The Bible told us it's going to come. And the Antichrist is going to be behind all of that. He's going to unite the religions of the world. They're going to be gathered together, holding hands, and I mean, just, uh, you know, in, in unity and harmony and all that. Yeah, and they're united for the wrong cause. And the devil's behind all of it. Everything going on even in this world, the devil's behind. The devil can't make us sin. He can tempt us to sin. He can't make you sin. But the devil's real. And uh, he originally was Lucifer. And I'll just give you that tonight. Uh, we also will talk about the angel of the Lord. Um, at part of our next study and a few other things along with these beings, the cherubim and the seraphim. Before we go into some other stuff like the demons. Um, and uh, that's one I'm really going to have to be prayed up to talk about. Because I believe it's real. And, uh, and, and I know it's real. I know it's real. And they don't want you to know what I told you tonight. They don't want you to read it in here. And so we'll get into that later. All right, that's all I've got tonight. This time we'll close in a word of prayer. Fathers, we've been in your presence throughout today. We thank you for a day of worship. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I thank you for the good service that we had here this morning. And Lord, I pray that as you've impressed this message upon my heart and as I prepare to preach the next part of it, Lord willing, next Sunday morning, I pray that the chains that are binding us might be removed. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for good reports in other churches, like Brother John even sharing that souls were saved today. Lord, there at Calvary, we thank you and rejoice with those that are saved. You said all heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. And Father, I pray that, uh, that Lord, that would be something that you'd bless us with here as well, that, Lord, in our individual lives, as well as in our church life, we'll see souls saved and lives changed, the baptistry opened again, and, Lord, we just look forward to, uh, with anticipation, with what you have in store. And, Fathers, we talk about the spirit world. We know that it's real. We know that you made all of this. This is nothing, Lord, that is hidden or secret. This is all there in your word. And although that our eyes are blinded to most of it, what is in Scripture, I pray that we'd consider it prayerfully, and thank you, Lord, for your protection. Things that we can't see, even right now, there might be battles going on in this room that we can't see, but, Lord, you're giving us the victory because your angels are about us. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow the angel of the Lord to encamp about every person tonight that's seeking your protection in their life and their family and their children and all that they do. Lord, bless us. We travel down the road. Bless us. We go to our homes. Bless us here at Mountain Springs. May your angels guard and protect the, these walls. and. Uh, this, this property and Lord I pray that you'd cast out demonic spirits and demons that might try to disrupt or try to harm or, or do anything against any of us here God we pray for your protection we pray for your safety and Father we do all of this because we ask it in the name that is above every name the name of Jesus in Jesus name we pray amen Amen. thank you for listening tonight uh, all, hey I remembered if you want to help with children's ministry Wednesday night